Let's give Jesus praise. Come on. Jesus. Yes, Lord. Jesus. Jesus. Yes. Mm. Well, it's such an honor to be here. Um, like someone mentioned before, they said they picked up on a southern accent. I'm sure you're probably already picking up on that. I am from the country of Alabama. <laughs> and the pastor says he forgives me. But when I was in uh, Dr. Melody Hilton's track, I tell you, she, I just was drawn to her as well, just the, the character and anointing that she walks in and her ability to empower, equip, and send out. And I just love being a part of people that, that way. And when I received the wonderful opportunity to begin to travel with Dr. Randy Clark, and, and, he, and now I'm on staff with Global, it has been such an honor just to be able to travel with some of these giants and and such an honor for God to entrust me with a voice to speak into generations as well. Not just hear the voice of the fathers and mothers, but become a voice of a father myself. And one of the things the Lord has been doing and speaking to me is that he's, when I moved here, my relationship with my spiritual fathers were, in a sense, kind of strained. And the Lord specifically told me that I need to make a conscious effort to stay connected to the spiritual fathers that I had that discipled me. Because it was very significant for me to step into a position to be able to father a nation. And that's what God has called us to, to disciple nations, right? Not just people in nations, but literally the nations. And so being with Dr. Randy Clark and just learning from him and his apostolic uh, heart that he has to disciple nations is, is really, really setting me on fire right now. And I don't know, but I'll get to preaching in just a moment where you'll see how passionate I really am about Jesus. But before I do that, I want to share just a couple of items that I brought with me. I've recently wrote a book called Walking in the Wilderness. Anybody ever felt like you were in a wilderness season? Okay, one person. <laughs> Man, this is like, we're in the wilderness being at this church right now, like out here in the woods. I don't even, I was driving here. I'm like, man, where are we going? <laughs> yeah. I'm like prophetic people love to be in the wilderness. <laughs> no, but the Lord gave me a dream probably eight years ago. And in this dream, in that specific time, I was in my own personal journey, my own personal wilderness season. And I don't know about you, but typically your perspective or your mindset about the wilderness is that it's a negative and bad place, right? It's a place of barrenness, not, not filling. But when the Lord began to speak to me about the wilderness season, he gave me a prophetic dream. And in this prophetic dream, I saw this tree line. And over the top of the tree line, I saw the word wilderness. But then I saw men and women stepping out of the tree line, and over the top of their heads were written mature son and mature daughter. Wow. And the Lord began, I came, woke up from the dream, and the Lord began to speak to me. He says, the wilderness season is designed to mature sons and daughters. And so immediately I started looking at Scripture to kind of find exactly what he was teaching. So I went to the to begin to look at the children of Israel and how they came out of the wilderness. And I was like, man, it took them too long. I wonder if we just got that. I'm playing, but kind of. But the Lord says, no, I don't want you to study them. I want you to study my journey in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4 because I only spent 40 days in the wilderness. And when I, when I begin to notice, the very first thing you see in Matthew chapter 4 is that the Spirit of God is what who has led Jesus into the wilderness. 
And if you notice in the Gospels, there are no recorded miracles in the Gospels until Jesus comes out of the wilderness. He went into his wilderness season first to, to confront and defeat Satan in private before he triumphed over him in public. You see, Jesus went into the wilderness led by the Spirit, but he came out of the wilderness empowered by the Spirit. So, is there anyone here that we would like to have this book? One person in the back? Can you take this to this lady? Can you raise your hand so he can see you? And my friend Woody Money, don't you, is that a wonderful name, Woody Money? Come on. Like, his name is just like a prophetic declaration of the riches of God, you know? Well, he has recently wrote a book called The Secret Place. How many of us know that Psalms 91 says, he who dwells in the secret place shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I don't know about you, but I want to abide under the shadow. I really believe that there's a place in the secret place there's a place in God that we can be so hidden that when the Satan looks at us, looks at us, looks at us, looks at us, he doesn't even see us. He sees Jesus. Wouldn't you like that place? And so this book right here is specifically talking about learning how to live from the presence not striving to get to the presence, not striving for the presence, but learning to live from the presence of God. And so Woody hasn't given me permission to give his book away, but I'm going to do it anyway. Is there anybody in here that would like to have? Yes, Norma already had her hand raised. Bless you. I didn't have much time to go through that. But I do feel like I have a very strategic message that the Lord has been speaking to me for quite some time now. And I feel like we're in a strategic season as a church. Would you say that? Now, when I say season, I'm not talking about 2018. Because a season is just a time, a duration of time. So I don't know how long this is. But the Lord's been beginning to speak to me about a shift that's happening in the church. Would you say there's a shift happening? And the Lord has been really hammering this in my heart and in my mind over the past couple of weeks. And it's actually the, the title of this morning's message, and I've titled it, this message, Weothesia. Anybody know what that means? Weothesia means the placing of a son, the placing of a daughter. You see, I believe we're in this period of time in the church where the Weothesia is beginning to happen, where God is beginning to place his sons and his daughters into their divine assignments. And the fact that it's talking about placing of a son, which means it's talking about placing of a mature son, a mature daughter. See, it's time for us as a church to begin to take off our pampers, oh boy, and to step into what God has called us to. You see, the time of nominal Christianity has come to an end. And the people of the world is awaiting for you and I as sons and daughters to be placed into our divine assignments so that they can be set free from their slavery. You see, it's time that people begin to see when you walk into the scene, when you step into their job, when you step into their school, when you step into the grocery store, they begin to see the glory of God upon you. They begin to see a mature son and a mature daughter that literally shapes and shifts the atmosphere in which they go. You see, we're stepping into a time now where the weothesia 
is taking place. And I believe I'm talking to a group this morning of mature sons and mature, mature daughters that's being placed into their divine assignments. And so if we're going to be placed into our divine assignments, then we must learn to follow the one mature son that's ever walked the earth. Do you know who that is? His name is Jesus. You see, Jesus is the only standard of maturity. The life and lifestyle of Jesus is the standard in which we are to live. You see, Jesus just didn't live for you. He lived as you. He role modeled the life and lifestyle of every believer. But the problem I've seen so far is that Christians are simply serving themselves in the name of Jesus. You see, it's time that we begin to really become like the one we say we follow. I don't want to simply proclaim God by doctrine. I want to walk with him by principle. And it's time for us to lay down this proclamation of Jesus only by doctrine and begin to step into the fullness of what he's called us to by principle, by demonstration. You see, truth is not fully realized until it's demonstrated through you, or it's not truly demonstrated through you until it's fully realized in you. You see, God hasn't called you to spiritualize truth. He's called you to actualize truth. I'll get excited if you don't. That's fine. So I'm sorry if I'm a little intense. That's probably why I'm bald already. <laughs> because I, I, I literally, I begin to read scripture and I read it until I believe it. How do I know I believe it? I begin to see it in my lifestyle. You see, I, it's the, not just embracing truth, but it's the continuing in truth that brings freedom. Amen. You see, you could step into a place of truth and have freedom for a moment, but you can always step out of that truth and back into bondage. And that's exactly what's happening to the body of Christ. We embrace truth for a moment and experience freedom, but we don't continue in that truth to demonstrate that freedom to the world. Yeah. So Romans chapter 8 says this prophetic declaration over you. It is over every single one of us. Romans 8 verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Come on now. I don't know if that gets you excited, but it just gets me excited. So that he will be the firstborn among many brethren. For those that he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of who? Jesus. See, your divine purpose is to become like Christ on earth. You see, for those that he foreknew, which means what? How many of us know that God lives outside of the realm of time? Yep. In other words, he, he looks at time almost like a ruler. In other words, he sees the beginning and the end of time right now. And it's because he lives outside of the realm of time, he can step inside of the timeline in any particular place that he wishes, any place that he desires. And the Bible says for those that he foreknew, which means he has stepped inside of the timeline of your life and built a relationship with you that you don't even know existed. Oh, I don't know if we're getting this right now. In other words, from the time you were born, there was a pre-existing relationship that you didn't know about. And from the time that you were born, there was a preordained destiny calling your name. There was a preordained purpose saying, William, William. 
Because God doesn't predestine every single event in your life. He predestines your purpose. He predestines who you are to become conformed into the image of. And when you are born, that call, that destiny, that purpose begins to call and beckon your name. And without you realizing it, there was a pre-existing relationship going on that was pre-designed inside you to instinctively respond to the voice. Uh, I mean, hold on. Okay, I get a little goofy when I preach. Is this okay? I want you to understand this. For those that he foreknew instinctively responds to his voice. In other words, you don't even realize you're being led by the Holy Ghost, but sometimes you are. You think you're just acting off instinct. Are you getting this? You think it's you doing something when it's really the pre-designed purpose that's inside of you designed to instinctively respond to purpose, to respond to destiny, to respond to the voice of your creator. Anybody ever heard my story? Okay, a couple of people. You see, the reason this is so significant to me The reason this verse is so significant to me is because I grew up in a home where both of my parents were alcoholics. Both of my parents, I would be safe to say this, that they were atheists. And so I grew up believing that God didn't even exist. I grew up being taught that God was not even real. But how many of us know I I was born with a pre-existing relationship? Even though I was born and I grew up believing that God wasn't even real, the God was it. There was nothing. And, I, and the thing about it is, I hung around Christians all the time because I grew up in the state of Alabama. There's a church on every single corner, and I never once heard the name Jesus spoken to me. It's time for Christians to start representing Christ. When someone gets around me, I don't want them to encounter William. I want them to encounter the resurrected King. And so I, here I am growing up as a young child. My parents are alcoholics. My parents are atheists. They're teaching me God does not exist. And here I am. I'm not even knowing it that I am around Christians all the time. And they never once look at me and tell me about the resurrected one. But yet they're seeing me dying and hurting but yet they're, they're seeing me in, in addiction, seeing me in depression, seeing me in anger, seeing me laying side the roads, literally laying side the roads, drunk and broke and addicted. You see, the reason this is so important to me is because in May of 2005, I met somebody that changed my life. In May of 2005, I overdosed on crystal meth, and I found myself in the hospital room dying. I found myself in a hospital bed when my kidneys were completely shut down. My other organs were beginning to fail, and the doctors are telling me, if I cannot get your organs to work, William, you will die. Because I didn't believe God existed, do you think I was in there praying for God to come heal me? No, I wasn't crying out to my creator. I wasn't praying for revival to come. (laughs) I was in my hospital room dying, but what what I did not know in that moment is I had a pre-existing relationship. I had something that's been calling my name for 20 years. Oh, I don't know. 
For some reason, I'm laying in this hospital room and I'm not dying. And every single day, my, my organs are getting worse. So at any moment, I can die. I could just go to sleep and not wake up. But one night, I'm laying there, and all of a sudden, this bright light shines into the hospital room. Now, this is not something that I am imagining. This is something I'm literally seeing with my eyes. It's like, it shines into the hospital room, and I begin to see this figure walking out of the light toward me. And all of a sudden, I begin to see this man step out of the light. He had brown, brown hair, brown goatee, had a white gown on. And he's just walking toward me. As he's walking toward me, my body begins to tremble. With this power coming over my body. With this power trembling on me. And all of a sudden, this fear rolls up. I'm like, this power can kill me. But as soon as the fear rolls up, there was a love that came from this person that dismantled the fear. Because perfect love cast out all fear. And this guy, he stands right into the foot of my bed, and he turns like he's going out the, out the door. And instead of going out, out of the exit door, he sits down in the floor. And, and when he sits down in the floor, a river of water bursts from the wall and starts flowing in the hospital room. Now, I don't know if you would freak out in this moment, <laughs> but I was freaking out. Because I'm literally seeing this guy in my hospital room. I'm literally seeing this river of water flow in the, in the hospital room. And the thing is, the entire room was illumined. And the lights were not even on. This guy begins to wash his hands in this water. He begins to wash his hands. And then that's when I heard an audible voice speak to me. And an audible voice said, the waters that you see will purify and cleanse you if you receive Jesus the Christ as Lord and Savior. As soon as I heard, as soon as I heard the voice of my creator, and as soon as I heard who my creator was, my body instinctively responded to the voice of my creator. And all of a sudden, what had been preordained in a moment in time, my body said, here's why I was created. Here's my divine purpose. I'm responding to that voice because this is why I'm created. And everything inside of me said, yeah. All of a sudden, the power of God begins to go inside of me, and I continue to tremble all night long. The vision disappears. The next morning, I wake up. The doctors come in, and they start doing different tests on me, and they do it for several hours, and they have these, this freaked-out look on their face. <laughs> and they come back, and they say, Mr. Wood, that's my last name, and they say, Mr. Wood, we, we, we don't know how to explain, to explain this, but not only are your kidneys and organs better, but, but it's as if you've never done drugs before. <laughs> now, now, even then, I had wisdom, a little bit of wisdom. So I didn't tell him about this person that appeared out of a light into my hospital room. Because there's a little white building across the street I knew they would take me to. <laughs> right? And so when they're telling me, so listen, there's no reason for you even to be here. They start unhooking me of everything that was, that was hooked up to me. And so I call my parents to come get me. My, my dad comes and he gets me. And they're still atheists at this point. We get home. We're having conversation. And all of a sudden, randomly, I start speaking in different languages. I'm like, I'm just walking around the house, just kind of minding my own business. And all of a sudden, man, what's going on right now? 
And then so I'm like, well, I better tell my parents what's going on, you know. I'm freaking out, speaking in weird languages. I don't know what's going on. And so I begin to talk to them. I tell them what happens. And all of a sudden, they're like, well, it sounds like you've become a Christian. There's this black book that you need to buy. I'm like, well, what is it? Well, it has golden words on the front of it. It says, Holy Bible. You need to go buy one of them. And so I go looking for my Bible. I find the black Bible. I begin to read. And what I notice is that from Genesis to Revelation, because I just devoured it because I wanted to know the one I just met. From Genesis to Revelation, I noticed that they were preordained purpose, preordained cause, pre-existing relationships with people all throughout Scripture that encountered the created one. The cre- I mean, they encountered the creator. And by the time I got to the end of it, I said, God heals the sick, he raises the dead, and he cleanses the lepers. It wasn't until I met a Christian I found out God no longer healed people. And I was like, well, let me tell you a story. You see, this verse is so significant to me because I grew up as an atheist. I grew up believing he didn't exist there was still something calling my name. And it doesn't matter where you may be right now in this journey. If you're sitting in here in this moment in time, I'm telling you, you have been foreknown by God. He foreknew you and you're in this place for a Kairos moment in time right now because God is calling you to be a Weothesia placed. Oh man, it spit everywhere into your divine assignment. I know I kind of get sidetracked like bird plane. So this next verse should even mean even more of a significance to you. Romans chapter 8, 19 through 21. For the anxious longing of creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation itself was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. In hope that creation itself will also be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Do you realize that all of creation is awaiting for the weothesia to take place? It's awaiting for you as a son. It's awaiting for you as a daughter to step into your placement so that the environment around you can be set free from its slavery. One of the signs that you know that you're being placed in your, in your divine assignments is the fact that the people around you, the environment around you, the spiritual slavery begins to be dismantled because all of a sudden there's a preordained moment for you to step into the wheel. Thesia is taking place and everything around you, people get around and say, I can't think the way I used to think anymore. I cannot believe those lies anymore. All of a sudden you begin to notice an atmosphere around you shifting the atmosphere wherever you go that's okay you don't have to get excited it's fine I believe I'm speaking to a prophetic people I believe I'm speaking to a generation right now that are just they're tired of the nominal Christianity. They're tired of sitting in the pews. They're tired of just hearing a sermon. Listen, the placement of sons, which means you no longer speak truth, you become truth. You no longer speak a message, you become the message. Oh, man. 
When people hang around you, they see the life of Jesus and the life of your message demonstrated through everything that you are. And when they get around the placed son, the placed daughter, they step into your freedom that you carry. And they're like, oh, man, you don't even have to say anything. I want to be like you. For, for about half the year last year, I worked at FedEx. And the, the place that I worked, I operated a line. And I'm telling you, that, that area was the most, one of the most negative speaking areas I've ever been in my life. But I am not someone that gets into environment. I shape and mold it. And so when I began to go around, I just began to live my life. I didn't get into the conversations. I didn't get into the negativity. And all of a sudden, the sphere around me began to influence the coworkers. And my line became the most productive line on the entire shift. Until one day, this guy, I didn't really know this was taking place because I just lived my life. So one day, this guy comes to me and says, William, Every day I see you just smiling, you're just laughing, you're just full of joy. And when I say, I just want to punch you in the mouth. <laughs> he says, but then I get to thinking, man, I wish I could live, be that way. And, I, and a moment was created for the gospel. Not because I went in Bible beating everybody, but because I became a message. It, because I became a placement in a place. A placement in an environment. So that the freedom that I carry becomes the freedom they can inherit. See, it's time for us as, we, as the generation of the Weothesia to really step into everything that God has ordained for us to. And I believe this season is significant for right now. I remember when I first got saved, well, I immediately, I immediately knew God wanted me to preach the gospel. I had never public spoke before in my life. In school, I would take zeros just because I wouldn't get up and give a, a report. I'm like, I was like, give me zeros. Like one year, my average in one class was a three. <laughs> like a three. Like, let's, let's make it zero. Come on. That's where I was. But when I, when I stepped into my preordained destiny, all of a sudden I had a new outlook. All of a sudden I had a new voice. All of a sudden I had a new confidence. All of a sudden I was placed into something that it made me alive and I knew God has called me for this. But I still had this little bit of nervousness inside of me. And so what I started doing is I started preaching to myself in the mirror. Look, I was going to preach regardless if I just had to listen to myself. And some of us need to do that. Listen, listen, some of us need to rebuke ourselves. (laughs) Like I've done, I've like preached messages to myself in the mirror. Like you get right, William. (laughs) I mean, I I did this for six months. Well, over the course of the six months, my next door neighbor, they have a little kid, and they bring a housewarming gift over to me, and it's a little kitten. Now, I'm not a cat person. I'm a dog person. I want a big dog. I don't want a little bitty meow meow cat. But I was like, what am I, am I going to rebuke this girl? You know, I'm like, so I take this, this kitten, I said, I'm going to take care of this kitten. She's giving it to me, I'm going to take care of this kitten. Well, every day I'm preaching to myself in the mirror. Well, all of a sudden, one day, I noticed this cat walks in and starts listening to me. I'm like, I'm like, man, I'm leading cats to Jesus. And so I start practicing preaching to the cat. I'm not crazy. 
I start preaching. Pre- I start practicing preaching to the cat. And I'm like, I know I'm ready to preach to people when the cat starts responding. <laughs> and, then, and then one day, sure enough, I, I, I get to the altar call because I'm practicing the altar call on the cat. And, and one day this cat was like, do you want Jesus? He's like, meow. <laughs> I'm like, I just led my first cat to Jesus. <laughs> now, I don't know if I'm going to get to heaven and see her name was Cookie. I don't know if I'm going to get to heaven and me and Cookie are going to be reunited. I don't know. But I do know this. All of creation will respond to the voice of the creator. Oh, boy. You see, we limit verses down. Oh, man, okay. The Bible says that all of creation is awaiting eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. What if creation, not just people, what if creation is awaiting for you to set it free from its slavery so that it can begin to produce the things it's been preordained to produce so that a supernatural component gets into the environment, gets into the soil, and begins to produce the things that it was preordained to produce? What if we, what if we as placed sons and placed daughters are the ones that brings the earth back into the garden? Um, I, I don't know if we're getting this. I never want to reduce truth down to my level of experience. I want to bring my level of experience up to its level of truth. So I'm constantly looking at verses like this and I'm allowing that verse to challenge me because you can only be transformed to the, to, to, the, to the degree you're willing to embrace change. I know I'm really goofy, right? You see, when I watch Chris, Val- Chris Valentin, I feel much, much better about preaching because he does this all the time. So, you know, he messes up, you know, but my thing, I just give yourself freedom to be you. But don't miss what I'm saying. Creation is waiting for you. Creation is waiting for the placed sons and the placed daughters. Creation is eagerly crying out to those that will say, I'll preach to our cat. (laughs) You see, I believe the Apostle Paul says it best in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And he says this right here. I am crucified with Christ. Come on. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Most translations says the faith in. I'll get to this in just a moment. Who who loved me and gave himself up for me. Let me ask you this. The reason I like the King James Version here where it says the faith, the faith of the Son of God is because of the context of what he's saying. He's saying, I have been crucified with Christ, which means what? He's dead. And if Christ lives in you and you die, who's left to live? It's Jesus. You see, living like Jesus has absolutely nothing to do with your ability. It has everything to do with your willingness to die. And the Apostle Paul knows this. As I have become crucified with Christ, I lay down my agenda to pick up his. And I no longer operate by faith in Christ. I operate by the faith of Christ. 
You see, everything that God gives to you is to the measure of Jesus. Every spiritual gift you have carries the ability of God with it. See, God doesn't give you the ability to do something. He gives you his ability to do something. Oh, man. This is better news than what you thought. My entire journey right now has been learning to, to, to die. It's been learning to allow my yes to be full to Jesus because your yes will determine how far he can take you. And so many times we begin to give a yes to Jesus and we, he begins to move us out. We begin to step into things and all of a sudden, as soon as we say no, he, can, he stops because he's not going to force his agenda upon you. He's not going to force his will upon you. He wants you to do this thing as a choice. He wants you to do this thing as something that you decide to do. And every time you say yes to him, all of a sudden you step back into preordained purpose and all of a sudden there's a favor that comes upon you. There's an assignment that comes upon you that's evident to everybody around you that this person right here is anointed by somebody that man cannot anoint. He's anointed and he's empowered and there's a favor upon him that can only come from one source. We okay this morning? I'm looking for that generation, that relentless generation I believe I'm looking at it right now. I believe I'm looking at the relentless people that says, I'm all in. I'm all in and I'm following the King of Kings and and the Lord of Lords. I'm all in because I'm going after him with everything that I am. Listen, this is your purpose is to become like him. See, I wanted to kind of lay a foundation just real quickly. I wanted to inspire you for a moment, inspire you for this moment in time that we live in. But I want to give you some very practical things that you know that you're becoming the place son in your assignment. And I'm going to give you five signs that let you know that you're becoming the Weothesia. And the first one is this, you think like Jesus. The second one is this, You see like Jesus. The third one is this. You hear like Jesus. The fourth one is this. You speak like Jesus. The fifth one is this. You follow like Jesus. In other words, you're led by the Holy Ghost. You're led by the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not going to have time to go over all five of these signs, but I do want to give them to you so that you can write these things down because these are signs that let you know you're a placed son, a placed daughter in your divine assignments. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, we all know this verse, right? Dr. Melody Hilton has taught this verse very, very well, so I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but we all know Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind so that you may be able to prove what the will of God is, which is good, perfect, and acceptable. The mo- most of the time what we do is this right here. We put the emphasis on the transforming of the mind instead of the emphasis on who we want to think like. Oh boy, I don't know, we just got that. Some of us have transformed our mind, we're just not thinking like Jesus. Okay, let me try this on the other side. Some of it, because you haven't 
Because you haven't decided who you want to think like, you think the transformation is just renewing your mind, and the renewing of the mind, of the mind is, is significant and it's important, but you want it to lead to thinking like Jesus. It's not just embracing thought patterns that get you to think, think positive. You're not called to think positive. You're called to think godly. Amen. You see, thinking positive will get you to hell with a positive attitude. When you begin to embrace it, when you begin to embrace truth, you must decide, who do I want to think like? I want to think like the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I want to think just like Jesus. So I'm constantly asking myself, what does Jesus think about my situation? What does Jesus think about this environment? What does Jesus think about this job? What does Jesus think? Whoa, this changes some things right here. Well, all of a sudden, you're not, you're not just simply transforming your mind. You're actually renewing your mind into the mind of Christ. Because what happens if you don't know who you want to think like, as the transformation begins to take place, as you begin to embrace different ways of thinking, you'll find yourself going in a circle and ending right back where you started. Because you didn't have a destination in mind. Because you didn't have someone that you wanted to think like in mind. So you just began to create these cycles in your life (laughs) of ending right back where you started. And the mindset that you have just kept taking you back into what God was trying to deliver you out of. How do we do this? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 10, 3 and 5. I want to get to the very verses where it says this. We are taking every thought. Everybody say every thought. Every thought to the obedience of who? Does it say we're just taking good thoughts? We're just taking bad thoughts captive? No, it says we're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Which means I'm constantly submitting my way of thinking to the word of truth and to the mind of Christ. I'm constantly asking myself, what does Jesus think about this? When he first began to teach me this principle, it was a couple months after I got saved and this violent sickness came over me. And I mean, it was coming out all kind of different places. I don't even want you to picture it. You probably have already pictured it. And I found myself going back and forth to the bathroom. But I remembered in Isaiah 53, 5 and 1 Peter 2, 24, where it says, for by his wounds I am healed. And I found myself in this situation where where circumstance was uh, was opposing truth. And I had to to face this thing. Am I going to allow truth to define my experience or am I going to allow experience to define my truth? And so I began to quote this Bible verse over myself. By his wounds I am here. Blah! And I would throw up. And so I just began to prophesy to my own being, saying, body, come into an alignment with truth right now. Because I'm going to think like Jesus in this moment. By his wounds I am healed. This goes on for three hours. I'm prophesying over myself. The last time I'm standing in the front of my bed like this and I'm just exhausted. And I said, for by his wounds I am healed. And I just fell back on the bed. As soon as I fell back on the bed, a being lifted off of me and the sickness left. Some of you may be sick because you're embracing belief systems that empower sickness. Any thought process 
that gives a right to sin, sickness, and disease violates the work of the cross. I haven't been sick since that day. Why? Because truth brought me to a realm of freedom. Because I embraced his mindset on that situation. I embraced how Jesus thinks in that thing, in that moment, in that area of sickness. I realize in heaven, <laughs> sickness doesn't exist. So let me ask you again, what does Jesus think? Let me ask you this, what are you thinking? Can you honestly say that God is not just the, the Lord of your life, but he's the Lord of your thoughts? I just don't want to live for Jesus externally. I want to live for Jesus internally. And I want to be so renewed in my mind while I'm thinking like Jesus. Well, I don't have to wonder if my thoughts are in contradiction to his word. You see, that's how strongholds are developed in you through ways of thinking that contradicts his word. Oh, man. Oh, okay. I'm going to try to get through some of these here. 2 Corinthians chapter, oh, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 13 says this. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor ear has not heard, which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Listen to this. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Which things also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Who knows your thoughts better than you? Who knows the thoughts of God better than the spirit spirit of God? And where does the spirit of God live? You. You see, you have the spirit of God that knows the heart of God that contains the thoughts of God living inside of you. Quit saying that you don't know the secrets of his mind. Oh, boy. It goes on to say this in 1 Corinthians 2.16. For who has known the mind of the Lord that we will instruct him? But we have, we have the mind of Christ. Wow. The renewing of the mind is the awakening of the mind you already had the whole time. The renewing of your mind is the becoming aware of the mind of Christ that was already inside of you. You see, understanding these truths are understanding our triune being, spirit, soul, and body. In your spirit, you're fully mature right now. In your spirit, you're the weathesia. In your spirit, you have the mind of Christ, the faith of Christ. You have everything that he is in your spirit. And when you renew your mind, you agree into who you are in the spirit. And all of a sudden, you become awakened to who you already are. Oh, man. So it's not necessarily becoming a mature son, it's being awakened that I am a mature son, that I am a mature daughter, but it's contingent upon the renewing of the mind. It's contingent upon thinking like Jesus. That's one of the ways that you know you're being a placed son, that you are a placed son, a placed daughter. 
The second way is this right here. We see like Jesus. John 5, 19. Therefore Jesus answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. Jesus trained his eyes to only see what the Father was doing. Jesus was not walking around trying to identify the works of the devil. He was walking around identifying where the works of God was being demonstrated. And then he was partnering with what God was doing, not the devil. I don't know if we're getting this. If you begin to allow CNN and Fox News to transform your thinking through what you're seeing, if you allow to behold the works of the devil, don't be surprised that you start thinking like the devil. Don't be surprised that you started reinforcing the works of the devil. Because we need to learn to train our eyes to see Jesus. We need to train our eyes to see the working of God. When I go into an environment, I don't see the strongholds there. I see the people there that are dying and hurting that need a love encounter with the God that I carry. I see an environment that's responding to the answer that I have. Oh, man. Listen, you are God's response to the world's problems. It's you. You are the revival you've been waiting for in your city. Oh, man. I, I, listen, I don't, I don't waste a lot of time with unfruitful prayer. I just don't do it. I don't waste a lot of time this, with this religious activity that produces no results. No, I, I want to think like Jesus so that, and I want to see like Jesus so that when I walk into an environment, I'm immediately having his thoughts, and I'm immediately seeing what he's doing so that I can partner with what he's doing to dismantle, dismantle the environment which keeps people in bondage. When I was pastoring, me and my friend Woody here, we, we started mapping out our city that we lived we were like, okay, we're going to map this city out. And we're going to begin to adopt neighborhoods. In other words, I'm going to begin to pour myself into this neighborhood over and over and over and over until they get tired of seeing me. <laughs> or they love seeing me, one or two. And I'm like, this, we're going to go into this place until they get saved, this, to go into this area until they get saved, and we just mapped out our whole city. And I adopted this neighborhood, and the first thing I started doing, I started going in and just cleaning up the streets, just picking up the trash, just cleaning everything up. I wanted people, when they walked out of their house, they saw a good-looking ball guy mowing their lawn for them. I wanted them, when they walked outside, they saw someone there that had groceries in their hands for them. I wanted them to walk out and to see someone that saw something different in their environment. Oh, man. The world is waiting for you to see their environment that they live in in a different way so that they can come out of that bondage. Oh, man. Over the course of a year, hundreds of people came to the Lord, right? Over the course of the year, it got to where all I had to do was walk in the neighborhood, and I would have 30 or 40 kids walking behind me. Because, because they knew when I came into the environment, something shifted. When I came into the environment, I carried something upon me. I saw them different than what their parents said about them. I saw them different than what the world said about them. All of a sudden, when I came in, I brought a kingdom in with me. Eventually, they began to clean up their own trash. They began to feed their own kids. Let me ask you, do you see the same thing that the lost person sees when you look at a city? Good. 
All of creation is waiting for you to see different. All of creation is waiting for you to see the gold inside of them. Because they're crying out, saying, I'm stuck in this environment. I'm stuck in this bondage. And I need somebody that thinks and sees different to get me out of it. I need somebody that when they look at me, they see worth. I think back when I was laying in the ditches and the people walking by me didn't say anything to me. I look back and I'm like, what were the Christians seeing? What they seeing someone that's just a hindrance or that were they seeing someone that was gold inside of them? You see, I heard the gospel from an angel, but I should have heard it from a Christian. Should have heard it from someone that sees like Jesus. Do you realize Jesus thinks you're to die for? <laughs> you see, he operates with such a pure love that when he was looking at the cross, he didn't even consider the cross a sacrifice to be with you. You see, because love doesn't consider the sacrifice that needs to be made. Love only considers the separation from the one that needs to encounter love. You see, Jesus wasn't going to the cross. He was going through the cross because you were on the other end of it. For the joy set before him, he endured because he, he was looking through that cross and he saw William Woods standing on the other side of that cross. And he says, this, this, this me dying for him is not significant at all because I, what's significant to me is the fact that he needs me. And so I'll become a sacrifice so that he can live through me. You see, Jesus died so that you can live through him, but will you die so that he can live through you? Am I just getting too heavy? I can't help I'm a little intense. But I met someone. I met someone that I've known for ages but didn't realize it. I met someone that I have been talking to for centuries. Are you getting me right now? Oh, boy. I met someone that awakened me as the Weothesia. The next point or the next sign that lets me know that I'm stepping into my place being a place son and a place daughter, as I begin to hear like Jesus. John 12, 49 says this, Jesus, Jesus is speaking. For I did not speak of my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say as what to speak. Before you can speak something, you have to first do what? Hear something. Hear something. You see, the problem typically isn't that God is not speaking to us. It's because we have put him inside of a box in the way we hear him. When you limit how you hear, you limit what you hear. That's good. Good, good. And see, 
For a long time, the only way God could speak to me was through the Bible. And he was constantly trying to speak to me through other avenues, but I could not hear his voice, his voice because I had him inside of a context. And matter of fact, if you're in this place right now in your journey where it feels like God is being silent to you, it's not that he's not speaking, it's, it's because he's speaking to you outside of the context of which you're accustomed to hearing him. It's actually a sign that he wants you to mature and grow. It's actually a sign that he wants you to seek him in a different way than what you've been seeking him so that you could step into the assignment he has placed for you. Oh, man. When he taught me this principle, I was driving down the interstate one, one night, and I'm like all men do. I mean, I drive the speed limit, so I was driving, I don't know, 150, 200. And And as I'm driving down the highway, my headlights on my car go out. Now, when you're going high speed, you know, you kind of freak out right there. Like, oh, I'm, I'm going to heaven right now. <laughs> and my headlights on my car go out. So I finally get over the side of the road and, uh, and I'm like, get out. And I'm like, oh, man, what am I going to do? And this is what the Holy Spirit says to me. He says, lay your hands on the headlights and pray for them to be healed. <laughs> and I start this argument with God. I'm like, well, God, you heal people. You don't heal headlights. He says, no, I'm telling you, lay your, head, lay your hands on the hood. I said, no, I'm going to I'm gonna try to figure this out myself, Jesus, because you don't really understand the, you know, the dynamics of this. And so then I, I open the hood, like all men do, and, and I'm looking under, under there like I know what I'm looking at. And, and then I check the oil. I'm like, yeah, the headlights look good, you know. And I shut the hood, and, and, and I'm like, okay, God, I'm going to lay my hands on it. So I lay my hands on the headlight, on the hood, you know, and I start praying. I'm like, what am I going to say? Like, I don't know what to say, so I just start speaking in tongues. And the cars are right by. You know, and all of a sudden, the headlights, boom, come on. And that's when he told me. He says, when you limit how you hear, you limit what you hear. Then he said this right here, following it. He said, learning to think from my perspective is the most logical thing you can do. This so awakened me to a reality and an understanding. I went home, and I, I'm not weird, kind of. I am a kind of. I went home, and I was like, God just opened me up to a whole new realm of healing ministry. I literally, I went home, and I was like waiting for my lights to blow out in my house. I'm like, blow out, please blow out. Because I wanted to see God heal lights, you know. And in my mind, I'm like, William Woods healing appliance service, you know. I'm like, hey, do, you, do, you, do your refrigerator needs to be healed? What about your air conditioner? What about your car, man? We can lay hands on it. See, and this is no lie. Me and Woody were at a conference one time. And we didn't have a lot of wisdom on us at this moment in time. We walk outside, and there was this lady broke down the side of the road. She had a flat tire. And she's like, excuse me, gentlemen, uh, could you please help us? And we were like, and I had just been seeing God heal my headlights and stuff. And so this is what I do. I lay my hands on the tire, and I'm like, air, come into the tire right now. And Jesus, and this woman's freaking out. You know, I'm like, praying for the tire to be pumped up. You know, nothing happens. And then me and Woody just kind of walk off. We didn't even help the lady. <laughs> okay, I'm getting way off. <laughs> but will you allow yourself to get to a place where you think like that? 
Will you think from his perspective? Will you see from his perspective? Will you hear like Jesus hears? Will your ears been trained to hear the voice of your father? Romans 10, 17. So faith comes. Let me see it. I'll just read it to you. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Faith comes by hearing. One of the ways that I know if I'm hearing the voice of God is the fact that I'm walking in faith or not. The voice of God will always lead you into a place of divine faith. The voice of God never leads you into a place of unbelief. It only leads you into a place of faith. Okay, it's already 12 o'clock, so I'm going to kind of wind down here. Let me give you a couple more verses. For the fourth sign, John 12, 49. For I did not speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. Life in Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat its fruit. We follow like Jesus. Matthew 4, 1. Then Jesus was led. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. John 6, 38. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. I want you to study those scriptures yourself. And if you would, I just want to do a corporate prayer for everyone. And I understand it's Sunday. You want to go home, go to sleep, and watch football. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not going to keep you very long. So if you would, would you please stand with me? Can I have the ministry team come on up, please? Yeah, your healing team. Yeah, the the team here. And so, what I want to do, I feel like there's already been a deposit in here right now. I believe some of you have already been receiving some significant things as as I've been talking. And I have been seeing a consistent theme with something over the past several months. And I've been noticing that God has been healing people sovereignly just as the ministry is going on, as I'm speaking. And so what I want you to do is for like 30 seconds, I want you to begin to test your body out. If there's something in your body that needs to be healed that, is, that you can test, I want you to begin to move around and just test it out for me. Because I want to go after this thing. And if you don't have anything, that's fine. You don't have to move. But there's something in the action that releases a miracle. There's something in that action, that step of faith that releases something significant. So, if you're in here right now and you're saying, over the course of the time I've been speaking, you came in with pain or wherever it may be, and you can say that pain has been decreasing or going down, I just want you to wave one hand at, hand at me right now. Just kind of wave at me. No? This guy here. I have a lady here. Okay. Oh, that's, oh, that's my mother-in-law. Hey, Julie. So, it's you. So, what's been going on with you, sir? You can just feel pain leaving your body or what? You can't walk. Okay, so what's going on right now? Okay, so that pain is left as we've been speaking? The pain's gone? Okay, well, good. That means the Holy Spirit is doing something in your leg. It's doing something in your body right now. So let's all partner with that, what the Holy Spirit is doing. Let's stretch your hands toward him right now. 
Holy Spirit, I just bless the work that you're doing inside of him, God. And I just thank you that that pain is decreasing right now, just leaving his body. So I just speak divine wholeness and restoration into his being right now, into his body. I say, body, come into a divine alignment with truth right now. And for by his wounds, you are healed. If you can, just, just test it out. Just kind of move around for me if you can. Can you, can you try to move something for me? Can you feel something increasing? Just a little bit. If some people can get around him, just continue to bless him right now. Just continue to bless him. For the rest of us, I want you to hold your hands out in front of you like this, like you're receiving a gift. I want you to close your eyes. And I'm going to ask you to do something that may be difficult for us as Christians to do sometimes. I don't want you to pray. I don't want you to pray. Because sometimes it's hard for us to receive when we're giving out. And at this time, I want you to receive from the Holy Spirit. Now, as I invite the Holy Spirit to come, some of you are going to have an overwhelming sense of peace come upon you. Some of you may begin to shake. Some of you may begin to cry. Some of you may begin to laugh. Listen, if you get joy-filled, please laugh. (laughs) Don't try to restrain it in church. Some of you may begin to vibrate under the power of God. Some of you may not sense anything at all. But that doesn't mean something's not taking place significant in your life. And what I want you to do, as the Holy Spirit begins to touch you, I just want you to begin to pay attention to what He's doing and just receive from Him. And as we see the Holy Spirit touching people, I'm going to ask all of us as a ministry team to just kind of go around and just gently lay hands on people where they are because I don't want them to move. So Holy Spirit, I just thank you for what you've released into here, into the environment. And now I just ask that you just come in a greater way right now. I just ask that you begin to rest upon people right now with your peace, with your presence, with your power. And God, I ask right now that you begin to activate new gifts inside of people, that you begin to shake them up on the inside right now. I already see the Holy Spirit beginning to touch some of you. In ministry team, if the Holy Spirit is touching you powerful, you stay right where you are. Do not go from where you are. You receive. And I'm already looking around the room right now, and I see the Holy Spirit beginning to touch people. There's this lady right here to my left. You're wearing a little jacket with a white shirt on. I just bless what you're doing with her Holy Spirit. And I ask that you increase it right now. There it is. He's going deeper now. He's going deeper now. There it is. Increase. 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 There it is. There it is. More. 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 There it is. Increase. Increase. I just see him taking you into deeper realms of glory right now, into deeper realms of his presence right now. I just see the Lord is creating a new thing inside of you. And with this new thing, there's new gifts being activated. And I just see the canopy of God coming upon you right now. And in this season and time, you're going to begin to experience him as the Father's protection, as the Father's love. And I just see you sitting on the lap of the Papa and him speaking to you as his beloved daughter. So Holy Spirit, I bless There it is. I bless what you do. There it is. Holy Spirit, come upon her in a greater measure right now. More. More. There it is. There it is. More. There it is. I just see right now the peace of God resting over some of you. So ministry team, what I wanted you to do is begin to look through the crowd as you see the presence of God on people, just gently lay hands on them and bless what the Holy Spirit is doing. And I'm going to pray for the ones up here that are receiving.
So if you can, go ahead and do that. Woody, Chantel, can you help out? Holy Spirit, I bless what you're doing with him right now. I bless those tears in his life right now. I just say more love. More love. More love. More love. Lord, fill him up, Holy Spirit. There it is. Increase. 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 There it is. Increase, Holy Spirit. Increase, Holy Spirit. More, Holy Spirit. I just see I just see the Spirit of God going deeper and deeper in your heart right now. I just see him beginning to touch areas of your soul, areas of your mind and heart that has not been touched. And I just see him exploring new realms of you. And as he explores new realms of you, I see you beginning to explore new realms of him. So I just bless what you're doing, Holy Spirit. Here it is. Fill him up. Fill him up. Fill him up. Increase. Increase. I bless what you're doing, Holy Spirit. There it is. Increase. Activate new things inside of her right now, Holy Spirit. Activate new things inside of them right now, Holy Spirit. I bless the assignment that's upon their lives, God. I ask right now that they have been created for a time such as this. They have been ordained for a time such as this, Lord. And I ask that you would bring them into a greater understanding right now of their assignment. There it is. There it is. Increase. Increase. I bless what you're doing in the room right now, Holy Spirit. I ask that you continue to bless people right now. I ask that you continue to increase what you're doing in their life right now. So, Lord, I bless them. I bless what you're doing with them right now. There it is. More. 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 I bless what you're doing, Holy Spirit. Increase. Increase. Increase right now, Holy Spirit. Fill them up. I bless what you're doing. There it is. There it is. More. 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 More, Lord. More, Lord. Increase. There it is. There it is. I bless what you're doing, Holy Spirit. I ask that you increase it right now. Increase it right now. Increase it right now. Increase it right now, Holy Spirit. Activate new things inside of her. Let her receive a fresh impartation of your spirit right now. A fresh baptism of your spirit right now, Lord. There it is. Increase. Increase. Increase right now. I just bless. I bless what you're doing, Holy Spirit. I ask that you increase it right now. Increase it right now. Take us deep in the waters right now, Holy Spirit. Take us deep in the waters right now, Holy Spirit. 
Take us deep in your presence right now, Holy Spirit. Lord, I just bless the, the apostolic leaders right now. And God, I ask that you would even expand their vision even more so than what they're already currently operating in. I ask that you would stretch them beyond where they've already been stretched, Father God. And I thank you, Lord, that they have a heart that fully says yes to you, Lord. So Holy Spirit, I ask right now for a fresh impartation, for a fresh touch of your spirit right now. Oh, increase. Increase. There it is. There it is. More. 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 Yes. I just thank you for the sweetness of your presence right now, Jesus. What I would like to do at this time is go ahead and close the service. I want you to feel free. I want you to feel free to be able to stay or to go, whatever you need to do. But if you would like to receive prayer, me and my wife and um, Woody will be here to pray with you.